the winter meetings are in the books. Players have changed rosters and uniforms. Some are leaving, some are coming. We'll talk about it all on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. I am one of your dual co-hosts here on Locked Out Guardians. I want to thank you for making Locked Out Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. I am Jeff Ellis. Uh, I have probably done more Rule 5 research on the Cleveland Guardians and the Rule 5 draft than anyone you have ever met, considering one of my first pieces back in the day at IBI was literally just tracking the draft. And then every year adding to that database of like positional breakdown and then the guard, you know, back then the Indians, the Indians and who they had lost and the percentages. Uh, I have always had an interest in this draft. It was, I was sitting there in an after school teachers meeting, hitting refresh on Justin's Twitter because he was the best source I had because I couldn't listen to it. So, uh, you know, I, I want to give him a thank you and a shout out. He was fantastic during the whole thing. Justin, uh, give him your background. I am Justin. I am, I'm still six, so I'm staying off camera, so you don't have to see that. I've always had a better face for radio anyway, but um, yeah, I was in front of my computer for the Rule 5 draft like I have been for the last uh, decade because I'm a giant nerd and that's what I do. Um, I've been Rule 5 eligible myself for, I don't know, eight years and I've still gone unselected, so still hoping one day my name gets called. My cousin once entered the NFL draft, by the way. My cousin went to um, Kenyon College and then he Mm. went to somewhere after that, but he actually declared for the NFL draft and he got a letter back from the NFL and and he actually was like in in the draft one year, never got drafted. I'm like, I should do that in baseball one year, but uh, it was always kind of funny. So I've, I I went undrafted today, so I'm unfortunately already stuck with me. No, it's a cool idea. I kind of wish I'd done that. That's an awesome letter to have the rest of your life, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, okay, we're gonna start off with um, you know the rule five. Who's here? Who's left? Uh, why they kind of made the moves they made and uh, why certain players got selected. After that, we will we'll talk about why it seems like uh, the hose for trades was turned off until like right before we started to record. And, and we're also just going to talk about kind of the winter meetings in general. So make sure you tune in for all of that. And as anyone knows, historically, this podcast records when news happens. Uh, so if you uh, if you're listening Maybe there's a chance news is going to be breaking because that has been a historical precedent on this show. Uh, let's first start off. I think you and I both agree that I think we both expected Nick Enright to be gone. Like if they could have protected one more guy, it probably would have been him. There was so much smoke around him. Uh, he was always the guy they were most likely to lose, even though he wasn't the first player selected from Cleveland. He always felt like a sure a surety to me. Yeah, I mean, he is the lowest variance prospect or, and, and relievers. We've talked about over and over again. Relievers are the the easiest thing that gets picked off in this draft. And the Marlins needed relievers very badly. Um, and he was low variance. I, I expect Nick Enright to easily stick on that roster down there. He throws a ton of strikes, is deceptive with the fastball. And um, if he adds any velocity, it's going to be a huge boon for him. And he's got a big curveball. I just... 
guy that does that many strikes and has that much success at the minor league level, despite the fact that you look at his overall stuff and you think, wow, that doesn't look like he should be having that much success really says something. So yeah, that's, that was an easy pick um, right there. I think the two guys that were picked were, were easy calls and there was a third one. I was surprised. Wasn't. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, for me, uh, hot take incoming. I am happy. We lost Nick Enright. Um, and before anyone gets mad at me or anyone from the Enright family gets mad at me, I am happy we lost Nick Enright because he deserved to get picked. He deserved to get this opportunity. Uh, you know, he was a guy who was he's a ready. 19th round pick. Yeah, he's ready. He was a 19th round pick in 2015 um, out of the Stewart School in Richmond, Virginia. So he, at a high school, he was drafted. And then he doesn't get drafted again until 2019 as a senior in the 20th round. A round later, probably got would have gotten more money if he had signed in 2015. Uh, you know, went to... Virginia Tech pitched well, and he's done everything this team's asked of him to do in the minors this past year across double and triple A. And, you know, we love Tim Heron. You and I are both had him as the number one reliever you had to protect. Heron struggled a little with the trip up to double A and right. No, no problem. Like, and that's not to knock Heron. It's just to point out, like, this is how good and right is, how steady he was that the place that has tripped up everyone else, you know, Mikla Jack tripped up going up there. Logan Allen tripped up when he got the trouble uh, to triple a and right was like, you know, water off a duck's back. Uh, tw- his final numbers this year, 11.9 strikeout per nine, 1.9 walk per nine. Like he's, yeah, he's gone. Uh, I wish him well, you know, it's just, he's going to that, that Marlins team. I've been talking about them needing relief help for two, three years now on this show. And he's going to easily slot in. And as a 25 year old player who is just, worked and worked and worked good for him i i am i am happy for him i am glad that he is no longer a guardian because he's earned this uh and i i hope he sticks as a 20th round pick i i don't i haven't looked it up but they never get any money and he's you know he's a yeah he's earned this opportunity i'm i'm excited for nick enright yeah great for him and I, he's a guy who could have a very long career too guys who throw strikes the way he does as a reliever and and even if he only sits in the low to mid nineties, this is a guy who probably can have uh, a good solid, you know, five, seven, even maybe even a 10 year career. If he continues to throw strikes the way he's proven in the minors, you know, those guys always find work, um, especially with the date on him. The Everybody loves the the high spin, the back spinning fastball that he has makes him more deceptive. And who knows, maybe the Marlins, the Marlins have been good at developing pitching. So not, I mean, obviously not as good as Cleveland, but <clears throat> they could find something and help him, you know, add a tick or two of velocity and that takes them from 90, 94 to, to 92, 95, 96. That's, that's pretty big. You know, it could be a big difference for him. So I expect him to have a pretty solid big league career. And Hey, shout out to Nick Enright's mom too. She broke the news to us as Willie and I are recording other podcasts the day that we were waiting for um, the rule, the rule five, not rule five, the 40 man roster decisions ahead of the rule five draft. He made uh, his mom broke the news that uh, Tim Heron, made the 40 man roster that night to us. So uh, yeah, shout out to the Enright family doing all kinds of great things this year. Yeah, no. So uh, yeah, if perchance mom is listening, we are very happy yeah. for your son. <laughs> we, yes, we, 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 we are sad to see him leave, but we are happy for this opportunity. Um, you know, the other player who has this, and by the way, thanks to new roles, if you hadn't missed over the past few years, that also means that uh, they had to pay a hundred thousand dollars to get him. So not, not exactly a cheap amount, not a huge amount to a baseball team, but uh, you know, it's something. Uh, the other player, Kevin Kelly, 
Uh, Enright, I mentioned, was a 20th round pick. Kevin Kelly was a 19th round pick uh, in 2019. James Madison University, which Cleveland has had a, a, a it's taken a lot of guys out of there. You know, DJ Brown and Jake Lowry back in the day. Lowry was a was a relatively high pick. Of course, chased That's a right. lot of this past year. But Kevin Kelly is one of four um, James Madison players I've seen play in the in Cleveland system. That being said, I think was it. Uh, Yes, so Mike yeah, Benefro, Kelly would be the first one making t- the big leagues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, none of them have made it. It's like I, I pulled it up. Uh, I don't know Billy Sample. He is far and away the most productive. Mike Venifro, I remember. Ryan Reed, ball. Travis Harper, Larry Mitchell. I don't know any of these guys uh, are the other ones who have made it. So uh, good for Kevin Kelly. Hopefully he gets the big ne- big leagues. If he can get .3 war, he will be the third best player in James Madison University history. So mm. he's got a relatively low, and he's got a chance at it. And what was kind of fascinating, I think, with him, I'll let you talk about a pick, uh, an interesting pit, pitch mix. Uh, he was also a name that was popping up late as we talked about this. Like, I think we started, honestly, we started kind of focused on Meek Jack and Enright. But Kelly's name was coming up more and more, uh, I think, through the process. I, I, people liked him. But I think the most fascinating thing is, A, Tampa with a packed 40-man traded for him. Yep. Uh, they could have waited and like signed him, but they were afraid he wouldn't get there. So they traded to get him. They went out of their way, uh, made room and think that he can stick on their roster. Uh, that says a lot. So, you know, your thoughts on Kevin Kelly, the first guardian lost today. Yeah. I want to pick above Nick Enright. So it was back-to-back guardians in the, the rule five draft. Colorado took him. And then obviously that trade was worked out. When, 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 if you're not familiar, when, when trades are made in the rule five, so Colorado picked him and trade in Tampa Bay, when that happens, that trade is almost always agreed upon prior to the draft. They always have the teams talk and they always say, okay, if this guy's there, we'll take him and trade him to you. And here's what we want in return because Colorado wasn't going to use their pick. And you're right, Tampa Bay went out and they traded Brooks Raley today and they, they make grabbed the guy. Yeah, to make room. They they got a guy who's not eligible to be added to the Rule 5. It doesn't have to be added to the Rule 5 or the 40-man roster until 2024, who also is an interesting prospect in his own right. But, yeah, they went out and made room to add Kevin Kelly today, so they really liked him. We should have known. Honestly, this is, this is exactly like Ryan Thompson for them all over again. He's got a very low release point. Um, he's very unique. You know, he only throws – same with Enright. He doesn't have a lot of velocity. It's like 90-94 – but because of the release point and just the, the overall spin on it, it, it runs in on right-handers. It's, it's really hard. It can run away from left-handers, but it gets a lot of ground balls. The slider kind of pairs off that really well. I don't want to say he tunnels them, but it, it's, uh, you know, you, you see the fastball coming in from that angle and you see the slider coming in at that angle. It's very similar and runs away from right-handers. I don't know how he's going to do against left-handers, to be honest. And his control, you know, you talked about some of the guys that struggled from the dump the jump from double A to triple A this year. Kevin Kelly did struggle moving from double A to triple A. If you look at the numbers, typically a guy who's always thrown strikes, um, but had a little hiccup when he went to triple A to throw strikes, but he, he should be fine. And we'll see how he handles left-handers, but he'll be able to get right-handers out without a problem. He he gets a lot of ground balls. None of his stuff is great, but it's, it's one of those unique, you know, unicorn type release points that Tampa Bay loves. So, I won't be surprised at all to see him make it 90 days on that roster either. He's also, uh, you can, <laughs> excuse me, you can take your bingo card and cross off former Cape Cod All-Star uh, in terms oh. of player they drafted and developed. 
Uh, we know they love the Cape. I spent I spent my uh, my entire planning period today going over Cape data uh, for this year. So uh, keep that in the back pocket just in case. Uh, yep. You know, we got some time to to chatter about that. But we're going to take our first break here. We're going to come back. We got one more guardian who we're saying, and this this is the one. The player that we're going to discuss next is gone for good. Like these other two might come back, but the next player we're talking about is so long. Alvita Zane, good night. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick sponsor break, come back, and then you also get a chance to learn about the players the Guardians take, took, one that I find especially interesting on today's Locked On Guardians. But first, let's talk about our good friends over at the Bet Online. Now, listen, Bet Online got into the hype just like we all did. I know they had the Giants as the favorite to land Aaron Judge. That did not happen today. You know, that kind of set off everything with the winter meetings. But uh, you could have made some money if you thought that at the end of the day he was going to go home, you would be some dollars richer. If you got into bet online, your number one source for sports betting, info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all. And if you love sports podcasts, they're on bet online as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. That's where the games start. Uh, you know, keep heading to bet online. I'm sure now the judge is out. We'll have maybe some Rondone odds. Uh, trying to think of the other big, you know, the shortstops. Of course, that is where we'll see the odds. Correa, Bogarts, the rest, Swanson. Go check that out with our friends over at bet online today. Well, Jeff, they did update their MLB World Series odds today. Do you want to guess where Cleveland falls on their newly updated MLB World Series odds? Are they still tied with like bot? No, I bet they're below Boston, depending on when that update happened. Oh, you're so close, Jeff. You're so close. They're I actually guess. ahead of Boston. No, I don't they're have a They're tied. Okay, the so Red Sox, the Guardians, and the Brewers are both thirty-three to one odds in the latest update. That is a um, up from fifty to one odds. Their last update back on November sixth. So I would not. Uh, I would not take the Brewers in that mix. I thought I thought Boston after adding uh, uh, the player from Japan whose name I'm blanking on and Kenley Jansen. Uh, Jansen's a little overrated right now, in my opinion. I thought they'd yeah. be moving up, but um, let's talk Eli Lingos. Uh, another, you know, well, we had a 20th and a 19th rounder. Lingos was a 22nd rounder. I want to say out of Arizona. Was it Arizona State? Wasn't he a? Ooh, you're challenging you know, me on uh, this one. And twenty second rounder, I believe that's the the Tim Heron round. So that Tim Arizona Heron State. might be the last. Yeah, he's the last one standing. You know, Lingos was a pitchability guy. He was a you could throw him up and down the line. He was a lefty. He was a solid, just solid left hander in the system. He could plug in at any spot and go. I don't know the likelihood of him making it to the big leagues ever, but you need Lingoses in your minor league system. Mm-hmm. And honestly, good for Eli because. A year ago, and it was, I believe, the twenty, yeah, the twenty twenty one season. Uh, he was knocked out early in the year. He took a line draw off his head, and he was out the rest of the year after that happened. So he came back in the twenty twenty two, hundred percent healthy, and um, had a pretty nice year. He started and relieved, uh, mostly relieved this year. Uh, only started three games between AAA and AA, but yeah, it was one of those guys that was a swing man and um, filled in whenever they needed it. Like you said, he'll he'll be he'll go down with you know the Tanner Tullys and the um, the Justin Garzas and the Kirk McCarty's guys that 
you absolutely need your organization. And I, I hope for his sake, he makes it to the major leagues, but uh, feel good for him. At least the fact that he made it back this year and another organization might have more innings and more space for him than Cleveland did. So um, who knows? Maybe it works for him in Colorado. I don't know how he was. A, I think if I remember right, he was a fastball curveball guy um, with that weird. I believe so. Turning, he kind of turns his back to the hitter when he throws. It's very funky. Um, but I think he relies on a curveball. So I don't know how that'll play in the elevation. But uh, hey, good luck to him. And he made it back this year after that injury. And hope he has more run in Colorado than he did in Cleveland in the system. Yeah. And, you know, this, I think we should point out too, it's like they've, they've had quite a few players, um, the, you know, like from the minor league level. So they kind of also, by losing three of their minor league guys today, and then just, you know, guys like Tanner Tully, you know, who moves on uh, to get other opportunities and Kurt McCarty, who went to Korea, I believe. Uh, So they needed some reinforcements and they lost three players today and replaced them with three more. I think they just wanted to get some upper level players at some positions they're weak at. They started with uh, Bradley Hayner, who, you know, was a, a 12th round or a 21st round pick. We're staying in the 20s. Fastball slider type reliever all the way. Uh, small school guy. But he was their first selection. I didn't have too much on him other than being like, oh, fastball slider. And that he can slot in into a, uh, you know, a relief role. Probably start the year in double A for Cleveland. But helps with the fact that, you know, they, they just lost two relievers who would have slotted into the upper minors. Gives them, you know, you need guys who you can feel comfortable putting out there in that role. Yeah. Uh, Captain's broadcaster, John Vicari did drop me this interesting note on um, Hanner said that the, the captains only had nine triples at home in 2022. And two of them were against uh, Hanner at classic park. So two of the nine triples they hit at home were off of Bradley Hanner. So he won't, at least won't be giving up triples at classic park this year coming up. Um, I don't know what that really and- says about him, but <laughs> One of those weird droppings. Yeah, he uh, he was the minor league relief pitcher of the month uh, for the Twins uh, for May. Um, oh, yeah, you, know, okay. you know he's he's a depth arm. It's it's yeah. that's what he's there for. Um, but again, they needed some more depth arms when you're talking about the guys they lost today, and then some of the players who I you can't like Tanner Tully. I think eventually comes back as a coach, but like. Listen, if you're in the upper levels of the system, it's kind of like death because they have so much depth, right? Like they lost two interesting relievers who couldn't cut their 40 man who teams think can make their 25 man roster. So there's reasons why guys are moving on. Uh, Next up, I was like, no, I didn't close. It was Michael Berglund, who, again, if you scout a stat line, he's a 16th round pick. Uh, You know, the Guardians like those guys who are maybe so uh so patient that they're passive and you know he has been listen he's been in a ball since 2018 like he got out for for two games this year but for the last i know he didn't play in 2020 but and he didn't play either in 2019 i'm sure it was an injury but 21 22 and 2018 a ball for berglund this team needed catching depth though and he's got an arm right yeah i the, the video i found on him goes way back to his college days, which was at Texas Tech. Um, the video I saw, definitely good pop time and and more than enough arm strength 
to be a good catch and throw kind of backstop, which is good what they needed back there. Um, yeah, they have a type for catchers. They like guy. They like catchers that are patient at the plate and will draw walks, even if it's sometimes them taking a called third strike and then they have a big arm. That's that's their type. Uh, patience and big arm and everything else, you know, is a, is, a, is gravy, I guess. So they'll probably go to Double A this year. I assume that everyone they, they take is starting the year in Double A, right? They have don't they have to start the year in the upper minors? They might have. They may have to, yeah, but I would assume he's, I mean, he's more than ready for double A at this point. Like you said, he's been an A-ball for four years, so um, they, but they really don't have a catcher to go to double A this year, really. Like, truthfully, there's nobody, so he'll, he might even get the bulk of the starts this year, for all I know, because they, they shuttled Seth Cadell and um, other random guys that they signed as non-drafted free agents up and down all year to, to catch until Brian Lavastida went back to double A. No, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how you know how they handle the catchers. It's like they the the catching system is so bad in system. It's you know, Lavastida is interesting. Um, I mean, if you if you honestly like, I I'm I'm still doing top ten by position. I'm still trying to figure out my list for that in the organization. Like, there are some international catchers that have a lot of upside, and people are interested in. But if you eliminate those 17-year-olds and from the Dominican right now, uh, Berglund might be their third or fourth best catching prospect, depending on how how you feel about their interest in Logan Clark since they drafted him and signed him away from a college commitment. So, yeah, it's going to be. Like I said they just they they need the depth there, and then. I, I, Justin Lewis stood out to me because he is a guy that, uh, you know, I knew from his Kentucky days, you know, he is a guy who's been a, uh, interesting player for a very long time and he's long, he's big, he's athletic. Uh, you know, I, I found my tweet from him back in 2018 where he, uh, where he was a 12th round pick, uh, the thing for him was he was always a uh, well, not he was always he was a draft eligible sophomore. So then his junior year, he was a senior age junior, and that kind of affected him. But in 2017 and 2018, like 2017 in particular, he had some like day one run before that draft began uh, in terms of like fall ball and some of the feelings people had. They liked the athleticism and the size, and unfortunately, he did not have a great 2017, but he was like a legitimate day one prospect. So he is, you know, 27 now. Uh, he has always been home run prone. The guardians don't have an issue with home run prone pitchers though. If you listen to the show, we've talked about they, they prefer fly ball to ground ball pitchers. Uh, this year, his, he moved up to triple a, his strikeout rate dropped. Uh, his walks haven't been great, but, I will also take a moment and point out um, Arizona hasn't developed anyone like they've spent some high picks on arms, but all of their, I think their entire pitching staff is outside. You know, they're, they're hoping that guys like Nelson, they have some interesting young pitchers to finally be the guys for them. But even their relievers like Joe uh, Mantiply didn't start with them. Like he's, he's bounced around a few places. They have not, you know, Kyle Nelson was one of their top relievers. They also have Cole Solster. They're they're building a former Guardians bullpen, but 
their internal development, uh, these young kids, they're hoping those will be the ones. So, you know, adding a Lewis to Cleveland with the profile, with the picks, pick, picks, no pitch mix. There's a lot of reasons to kind of think, wow, this is an interesting selection. Yeah, I saw a quick video on him out on uh, just going through the archives, and he does does have an interesting changeup and did have a decent breaking ball. It looks like the changeup looks like it's probably his best pitch, and I don't I don't know how hard he throws these days. I haven't had a chance to look at that, but uh, boy, strike throwing sure sure not one of his uh, benefits, but he's very tall and very long, and it looked to me like he kind of cuts himself off from having more extension despite having long arms. So we'll see if Cleveland can fix that. I don't know. This is the second pitcher that Cleveland has picked up from Arizona this offseason. You know, first uh, Ross Carver and now Justin Lewis. So maybe it's one of those situations where, like, you know, the guys they drafted from Florida, they saw they weren't being developed. They saw the upside and thought they could develop what Florida was not. Maybe they see the same thing from these guys in Arizona because. uh, I mean, and they're merciless when they do see things like that. Like when they would right. just target everyone Cincinnati was releasing because, you know, it's like Jake Paulson is the one that always comes to mind, but there are some other guys or, you know, with the, uh, the angels back in the day. I mean, they would just, it was like a, a dog with meat. Um, but yeah, I think he's the, even though he's the third selection. So I, to the guardians, he's clearly not the, the guy, or they would have taken him higher. Uh, I, he's the one who stood out just in terms of like, man, like that's a guy I know. Like that is a guy who has yeah. been on the radar forever. Um, so real quick, are you surprised that any of the guys we talked about didn't get picked? So Nick Mikolajek, um, Peyton Battenfield, Gabriel Rodriguez, those are probably the only real and, – and Andrew Misiazek too, I was surprised by, I would say. But are you are you especially surprised any of those guys didn't go? I would say uh, Misiazek, I was surprised it didn't go. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised – I'm not. I guess I'm not surprised Mikolaja didn't go. I think. I guess it just says that uh, anybody who might have scouted him didn't think that he was worth trying to fix on the, at the big league level this year from whatever issues he had a year ago. Just crazy because like two years ago he was a borderline top ten for some people. Uh, I get that. Uh, I think Miziazic was one. I thought for sure, like just because lefties. But he, I think there might be people who think he's more of a loogie and that just doesn't exist anymore. Gabby Rodriguez, we talked about like if. I don't know who has all the offsite data though. Like Cleveland's pretty protective with their offsite data. So that could be one of the things. And then of course, you know, the big shock of no Ethan Hankins being selected. Yes. I, uh, I fell out of my chair when the rule five draft ended and his name didn't get called. Everybody who kept tweeting at me saying they should have, they should have kept room for him. They should have kept room for him. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, I mean, it's like, it, it, not, that's nothing personal against him. That's just saying against like, him. It's just, yeah. Never I mean, happen. it was, yeah, it was it was a combination of us getting constantly hammered with like questions about him as well as some bad slash lazy reporting that like included him on like most likely lists just because right. he had been like a name. And it's like he's listen, you know, he's had some work to do and he's had some injury issues and uh, he's not close. He's not close. And that's yeah, you it's more of you us. You can't com- stash that. Yeah. And it's like I said, it's not it's nothing against Hankins when I make these jokes. It's more that like I'm sitting here and smirking and saying it because like we have had to deal with so much Hankins statements that it's like it became an internal joke between the two of us. Like it literally is just and it's not that he is a joke. It's that the over asking and the overuse 
uh, the over over reporting or suggesting. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Mizzy Ozick and then Gabby Rodriguez were probably the most surprising to me. Um, and what a fall for Miklo Chak, who I thought like last year might get to the big leagues just because they could use bullpen help and then uh, didn't so much occur. Let's take our next break in the action here, listen to some fantastic sponsors, and we're going to talk a little bit about the meetings in general on today's Lockdown Guardians. But first, a quick word from some fantastic sponsors. And that was a very quick word from some fantastic sponsors. So I'm going to take a second. I had some people... Uh, get mad at me when I said we have to be patient on trades. And I just want to point out, and this isn't even a pat myself on the back. This is just kind of basic logic. Um, any bigger trade typically is going to have some lesser pieces in it. And what we've seen is essentially after the Wong trade on Friday or the Winker trade, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, the there hasn't been a trade until this evening. And that's what I was talking about. And it was uh, Joe Jimenez. Oh, that's an interesting one. I kind of like Jake Mangum. That's a good. Uh, and and there we go. Like that's uh, since he didn't get taken in the rule five, Jake Mangum is the player to be named later in the um, the the deal that sent Hernandez and Brigham to uh, to the Mets. He'll be an interesting yeah. center field choice for Florida. He's got no power at all, but that's that's an interesting. Sorry, I just got I, w- I went there to pull up the trade for Jimenez, where they got Jake Higgins Bottom and Justin Henry Mallory uh, Malloy. I'm sorry, Justin Henry Mallory sounds like a a, a butler. <laughs> uh, but specifically, like you look at someone like Higginbottom, Higgin Botham, uh, a Georgia kid, another one of those Georgia kids in Atlanta system, but he got traded out. He's a left-handed pitcher who was a uh, draft in 2018. So it's like that trade for Joe Jimenez had to wait till after the rule five draft to be completed. That's why some of these trades aren't happening. It's like they had to make sure he was still available. And then it's like, okay, now everything's in the books. We'll go make that trade because like, let's say the Cleveland, let's say Nick Enright gets through the draft. Like we knew he wasn't going to, but if he had, he is so much more valuable as a guy. You don't have to add immediately to your 40 man. You can have start the year in the minors and it's just, you got to call him up by the end of the year. Cause if he pitches well again, and, and like if your team like the Marlins or whatever, I mean, if, even if you're Oakland, let's say you're going to call him up before the end of the year anyways, but it gives you more flexibility and more time to make some decisions. You know, guys are going to get hurt. It's going to allow you to kind of mess with roster spots. That is why trades were essentially on pause. Free agency, free agents happen, but during the winter meetings, you might be surprised. You think everyone's together should be easy to make trades Till that Rule Five draft was over, and we got Chad Smith for Jeff Criswell. That, that's that's a weird trade in my opinion, and a very minor one. We got um, the Brooks Rayleigh trade, before, which was yeah. to clear yeah to clear a a, a spot on uh, Tampa's roster. So it's the it's essentially like they cap off trades, and you don't see them as much because you know this isn't the 1940s. Uh, people can do things when they're not in the same hotel room. Or right. hotel building, I should say. And they don't, uh, all the GMs don't share a room, contrary to popular opinion. Uh, but, right. you know, it, things can happen. So it, and teams are so precious at the end of the roster anymore. And they, they're so invested in everything that, yeah, like waiting till after the rule five, waiting three extra days is a big enough deal to hold off. Um, that isn't to say that like right. tomorrow you're going to have a Sean Murphy trade. I'm questioning if he's if Oakland has priced everyone out of him right now. We will have to see. 
But I just want to say like trades are kind of back on and can happen in the Joe Jimenez deal uh, is a classic case of that. Like, you know, he's a rental for Atlanta. Atlanta needs some pitching depth. They traded a, a guy who played really well, but it was kind of old for every level he played at and a older lefty. They traded two potentially useful pieces, potentially nothing pieces to get a rental piece. Uh, we'll see how it works out, but that was okay. Trades are back on now, but that is why there were no trades the past few days. Yeah. And, and it also depends on the market too. Like <clears throat> the catching market was filled with, there were, there were, there's a few teams that need catchers, but you know, you've got Contreras, you have, um, who else? Uh, Vasquez. You've Vasquez. got a couple, a couple of, yeah. Zanino, you got a couple other guys yeah, that are hanging Narvaez around. Kind of like Narvaez. Your four. Narvaez are kind of yeah, like you, your four guys. And then when you got the, you know, the, the uh, Toronto and Oakland. Right. So you've got a lot of catchers that are reportedly available, whether they're, they're through trades or free agency. So that market is jammed a little bit and you did some dominoes to fall to make things happen. And um, the Cardinals supposedly said they were priced out or they didn't like the, the cost for Murphy at this point. And um, they decided to pay big money, big money to Wilson Contreras. That that's what kind of makes me tilt my head a little bit is that the Cardinals were so just done with the cost of um, of Murphy. They pivoted to give a big deal to, to Wilson Contreras, who I don't know. We'll see how he ends up defensively, but I don't know that they paid. That's a lot, a lot of years and a lot of big money for Wilson Contreras. I mean, I guess trading guys is, is still a bit of a cost too, but um, I, I, don't know, I guess you and I kind of disagree on this. It doesn't happen often, but I, I look at it this way. Like the well, Contreras, Contreras agent said they, they were no longer going to wait. So they had to make a yeah. decision. And so the report was that St. Louis did check, check in one more time as they thought that the price was coming down on Murphy a little bit. And then the, uh, the Contreras agents were saying that, you know, that you got to make your decision here. And they, they ultimately decided to go and make the free agent decision. But the way I kind of look at it is like, you know, some things I tweet out today, it's like uh, Jose Quintana from 2019 to 2021 or 2018 to 2021 had a negative value. And then he still got uh, what? 26 million (laughs) today. And, you know, Tejon Walker who's had two seasons above two war, who's had lots of injuries and problems staying healthy is the same age as Wilson Contreras. He got a four-year, seventy-two million dollar contract. Uh, Contreras got five at eighty-seven and a half. Uh, like where Contreras has been a a two-win player every year, but one in his career. So it's kind of interesting that like I know it's four years, there's five years, and about but it's only about a five hundred thousand more per year to get a top ten player at his position as opposed to getting a number four starter. So I could also see a team being like, you know what, it's more valuable to use those assets to trade for pitching. Like if you're St. Louis and you want to add a pitcher, it's yeah. like instead of giving up those assets to get Sean Murphy, it is a better use of assets to sign Contreras. Who's going to give us production with the ridiculous cost of pitching. Like, okay. Instead of trading Gorman here, maybe we look uh, at Pablo Lopez. Maybe we look or at Zach, please sack, <laughs> please hackers. I mean, I'll trade please sack for Gorman. I'm up for that, but like, yeah, I think we have seen the pitching market just get out of control to a degree. Yeah. And uh, I think some of that pivot, I, again, I, I think 
I would not, you know, I tweeted out today, I wouldn't be shocked if Sean Murphy ends up staying with Oakland. There, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what Oakland is doing. You know, the, the Diaz deal, Chad Smith is, if, if Chad's Chad Smith was a, 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 he's not even a for sure major leaguer in my mind. Like he is kind of a quad a type that they gave up a recent second rounder that you and I both like for um, Diaz was a lot of money for a guy who's been in decline for a few years. I mean, he's, he's a useful backup, but I don't think I give that guy a two year, $14 million contract. Oakland doing weird things. They're having so many, intentional leaks i have no idea what's going on with that team but it's super weird but i I get it like if you're seattle or seattle if you're st louis and you're just doing a cost benefit analysis it says you sign the catcher because the the asset cost should go into pitching and that's why like specifically uh cleveland has even more reasons to not trade any of those big three like you look at the cost of the pitching market you look at what pitching is going for uh if oakland wanted some of those guys, I mean, I'm still okay with Valera, which supposedly is he's maybe off the table. Uh, but yeah, that, I wouldn't, yeah, I would not give up any of those. I mean, I'd be trying to avoid Morris and Cantillo at this point. Like, I'd be like, you know, how can we load well, up? It's, you know, it certainly seems like if, if you believe, and again, Zach Meisel is as good as they get. And, you know, he mentioned, no, he didn't mention Bybee at the time. He just mentioned no Williams, no Espino, no Valera. But certainly seems like this deal was originally based off of and might continually be based off the idea of, in that situation, Rokio. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I'm, I'm just going to say it now. As much as this team could use Sean Murphy and I don't know what the alternatives are. If they don't, you have to certainly decide what they are. Train Tanner by for him would not be on my list of things that I would enjoy about that deal. But uh, yeah, I think it's still, at least as we wrap this up, I still think it's a good thing that things have quieted down a little bit. Now you're not seeing all the weird puffery and leaks now that St. Louis is out and, and the winter meetings have concluded. But the, the quieter it is, the better it is for Cleveland because Cleveland's deals almost appear out of thin air. There's usually not a lot of smoke. You know, the day Francisco Lindor got traded, like everybody thought it was coming, but it just, you know, it happened very fast. The Bauer deal took forever to come together. They, you know, but it it happened once it was out, it was out. Same with Clevenger, same with Kluber. Like there was no, you know, hey, this is happening or here's some speculation on this trade. No, like three for a couple of years, I want to say for two years, I think John Morosi had the Guardians or the then Indians trading Corey Kluber to the Dodgers like five different times. Never happened. Definitely they were talking, but that just tells you right there when when those th- sorts of things get out, <laughs> the deadline or the the finish line is never crossed. So I don't know. That's just how I look at it when Cleveland's attached to players in trades. And something's going to happen. It may not be Murphy, but something is definitely going to happen. You know, we yes. talked about it on the show yesterday, uh, what Zach had talked about in his piece where like, uh, you know, basically you could read between the lines and say, yeah, there's, there's a 0.0% chance Bo Naylor starting with this team on opening day. Uh, he, the, the, the comments in Zach's piece today referring to Josh Bell, uh, are new statements that double down even more on it. They're like, you know, I can't remember the exact phrasing about, you know, you can find it all over Twitter right now. Uh, but like the, there was some exact phrasing about like the situation will reach, completion or it was like very awkwardly phrased they're getting close on a resolution lucian that's it yes which means they're gonna do something so it it may not be murphy again oakland is being weird uh 
but you know, at the same time, if you're Oakland, you have to like you, you don't have Loriana wasn't great last year. You know, they Montes and that's the other question too. Like I know we're going extra long, but Hey, it's a rule five draft day. We went long on the, the whole list being completed. Of course we didn't, we're going to go wrong here. You know, do they learn, do, does Montas inspire any fear? Like they held on to him for too long and it hurt them. Which, you know, Loriano, maybe they've held on to him too long. Um, you know, he didn't have a particularly great year They're They don't, for a team that is all of a sudden like, we want to compete. They, they're not good. <laughs> and it's not like they have the young emerging talent. That you go, oh, this, this is where the, the next core is coming from. Uh, the next core pieces are all in the minors. Like no one's mm-hmm. proven yet. I mean, Seth, Seth Brown at first base is great. Like he is maybe outside of Murphy to me. Murphy Liriano Brown, that's that's the guys, but yeah. It was a big drop off from from Murphy to Brown though. Yes. Yes. Especially in terms of defensive value. Yeah, it's I you know, it's just yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. What I will tell you is the Guardians are going to they're going to add someone. I don't know who but it's going to come if it's Zanino, if it's Vasquez. Um, I, I honestly don't think it'll be Vasquez based on his own statements. But if it's something like Zanino, if it's a trade, I'll be curious to see. But it, for the same reason, like, it's not going to be Moreno. Like, they want someone proven. Uh, I'm, it, you know, maybe it's Tucker Barnhart. I'm kidding. But he seems to be popping up on every other catching uh, list. So might as well just mention that here. Uh, for a guy who's in good, he's in demand. Uh, any other final closing thoughts on this long E today? Uh, I did just see a quote pop up from um, Justin Hollander, who is the Mariners GM. He said he doesn't remember a time in his last 15 years where there has been this little trade activity at the winter meeting. So um, I think he's saying that as a sign, like there's still a lot of moves to be made here. No, I agree. And like I said, I think that's just the, uh, the result of teams being, you know, we talked about teams are very precious with their prospects and everyone wanted to be as defensive as possible. And now the cap is off. So I think we'll see. And we'll hear and some look, things. You have happen. a, you have a big class too. look, Darren, Aaron judge, tons of money, Carlos Correa, tons of money. Um, you got a lot of, you know, a lot of free Asian shortstops and other guys that were going to command a lot of money on this class. So those guys usually have to fall off the board before trades happen, especially when you're talking about, big money players like that. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully we'll have some more fun stuff to talk about tomorrow. I mean, we will, but you know what I mean? So hopefully we'll have uh, a catcher to discuss of in some way, shape or form, but no matter what, we will have fun things to discuss and talk about on lockdown guardians. Thank you for tuning in, rating and reviewing, downloading. That all helps our little channel grow. Uh, I, don't have my the channel YouTube open right now, so I can't tell us the count. Last check, we are over 1,030, so let's keep that number climbing high. Um, but uh, thank you for listening, commenting below, hit the bell, all those things they tell you to do, and uh, go, go, Guardians, go.